KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Wednesday, February 22nd. Eight minors rescued in an anti-trafficking investigation. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The cold, wet, and windy weather we warned you about yesterday is here. Our mountain areas could even get a few feet of snow. Elizabeth Shank is with the National Weather Service in San Diego. She says the weather is being caused by a dynamic system from Canada. This could potentially be one of the coldest winter storm systems that we've seen in a few years across Southern California. With the high wind warning, Shank recommends staying out of the ocean no matter how well you might swim and says you should also secure your outdoor furniture. New asylum rules announced by President Biden yesterday are being compared to past efforts by former President Trump. With the new rules, the Biden administration said it will deny asylum to migrants who show up at the U.S.-Mexico border without first seeking protection in a country they pass through. Some exceptions will be made for unaccompanied children, but it won't take effect immediately. A similar policy introduced by the Trump administration was defeated in federal court. The city of El Cajon is offering a large incentive to recruit more police officers. Cops with prior experience can get a $25,000 bonus if they're willing to transfer to the El Cajon department. It's part of an effort to increase law enforcement in East County's largest city. That's according to reporting by the San Diego Union-Tribune. The move comes after voters rejected a proposal to raise a local sales tax that would have been used to hire more cops. New recruits without experience at other agencies are being offered a $5,000 bonus. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. A month-long anti-trafficking investigation in San Diego County has led to dozens of arrests and police say to the rescue of eight minors. Reporter Kitty Alvarado has more on Operation Better Pathways. The operation involved undercover investigators from several different agencies. San Diego Police Chief David Nislight said it led to the arrest of 48 people. We have heard an unending call for help from some of our neighborhoods who have watched their streets turn into open-air sex markets. He said they rescued eight children from traffickers. The youngest victim rescued during this operation was 13 years old. She was seen walking the street and waiting for someone to pick her up to buy sex from her. Officers rescued her and reunited her with her family. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria issued a warning to traffickers. If you try and tear down our communities, if you want to harm our children, law enforcement is watching. We know who you are. We will come find you and we will take you down. The U.S. and District Attorney's Office are now reviewing the arrest for potential prosecution. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. If someone you know stopped breathing, would you know what to do? 
Dr. Mark Greenberg is a pediatric anesthesiologist at UCSD Health and a professor at the UCSD School of Medicine. He is highly trained to be able to help in an emergency, but when he learned that someone he loves was not prepared, he started working to create an app for that. He spoke with Midday Edition host Jade Heineman. So I understand your daughter had an experience at a party that led you to think about creating this CPR app. Would you describe what happened? I was talking to my daughters about the perils of taking pills or any sort of substance that you might encounter. And, you know, these days with many unprescribed pills uh, having fentanyl in them, I was warning them of the possibility of, you know, that there might be consequences to that. And they already knew about it. Their friends know about taking pills that might have fentanyl. And I asked, my daughter, if she had any experience, she said, well, I was, you know, we had a party at, at our house at college and we looked over on the couch and this, one of our friends was blue and we didn't know what to do. We Googled, we called 911 and we managed to do something to keep him alive until paramedics got there and revived him. And it was, uh, it was very traumatic. We were just totally traumatized by this. I said, well, what would have helped? They said, I wish we had an app. I said, I'm going to make one. In that moment when your daughters say they they witnessed uh, an overdose, uh, it got your wheels turning um, and made you think that there ought to be an app for that. Tell me about it. You know, I had a a chance meeting with the Surgeon General, Jerome Adams, and, you know, he's a pediatric intensivist. And he said that, you know, the opioids are killing our youth. And I want you guys, meaning the audience of which I was part of, go out and do something. And I didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, I've been involved with opioid effects on children and babies. I was originally, I was a neonatologist and I had a detox clinic where I would detox newborn who were exposed from, you know, maternal opioid exposure like fentanyl or heroin or methadone. And I knew I wanted to do something to help and I didn't really know what. And then when I spoke to my daughters about this, it just, I, I said, I have to do something. And I came up with the idea and we started looking around and there are many apps that will teach CPR. But the problem is that they're overly complicated and they're very slow at getting to the actual resuscitation. And I knew in that moment exactly what I wanted, which was something that would guide someone who has no idea how to do CPR through the resuscitation in real time and immediately start the life-saving as soon as you start the app. And that's what we created. Hmm. I mean, if someone is overdosing, talk a bit about how CPR can help them until paramedics come. Well, the app will help any kind of cardiac arrest, whether you're having a heart attack or ventricular fibrillation, choking. But specifically for a drug overdose, especially opioids, what opioids do is it really numbs the brain towards the fact that it doesn't have enough oxygen or it has too much carbon dioxide. So it basically makes you don't care if you don't breathe. What the app will do is it will help you assess the victim to see if they're awake and breathing. And if they're not, then it shows you how to open the airway. And then if that doesn't work and they're not breathing, it immediately shows you how to do compressions, which will ventilate the patient, give oxygen in and out of the lungs and move blood around through the heart. So whether the heart stopped or not, it will continue to, to perform the ability of the lungs to provide oxygen. And that's the key. We've also have the rescue breath, which is in the basic life support algorithm as provided by the American Heart Association. But with COVID, most people now are, are doing chest compression only CPR. 
and we give the option for both while you're using the app. That was Dr. Mark Greenberg speaking with Jade Heineman. You can download the app for free on Apple and Android phones. It's called Rescue Me CPR. Coming up, how lottery ticket sales help public schools. We'll have that story and more just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the culture, communication, and conflict certificate. More at ncrconline.com. More than $100 million is up for grabs in tonight's Powerball Lottery. That follows the announcement of a record $2 billion jackpot win by one lucky Southern California man just last week. Education reporter N.G. Perez tells us how lottery money also means a big win for public school students. The sound of lottery tickets, printing numbers that could be the Powerball prize winner. So get your tickets ready. Here come tonight's winning numbers. Let's start things off this evening. Between Powerball, Mega Millions, Super Lotto Plus, and those scratchers, altogether, the lottery has raised $41 billion to benefit public schools across the state. That includes K-12 schools, community colleges, and public universities. 80 cents of every $2 Powerball or Mega Millions ticket you buy goes to just about every kind of education program. Alva Johnson is director of the California State Lottery. These numbers represent promises kept since voters created the lottery in 1984 with the explicit purpose and intent to raise supplemental funding for public education. That's our mission. It is lighting up. Yes, you did it. Sarah Hillard is a science teacher at Millennial Tech Middle School in the Choyas View neighborhood, a campus in the San Diego Unified District. Her specialty includes lessons in robotics and 3D printing. She's also an expert at finding funding and donations for all the extras she wants her students to have so they can learn and succeed. We're appreciative for all the money the district gives us, all the money that we get from our site, all the money that we get from, you know, concerned partners in the community. Nonprofits look to us and, and are, are just asking what can we do to help out. So we definitely appreciate the lottery money, but we appreciate money from all the different sources that it comes from. I like to say lottery money for schools is bonus money. Carolyn Becker is the California Lottery's Deputy Director of Public Affairs and Communications. Part of her job is to explain to the rest of us how lottery money benefits students. We don't want people to think of the lottery as the savior for schools. As most people know, education funding is quite complex. Um, they always need more. Again, we are here to raise supplemental funding, not replace those traditional dollars, and we're proud to do it. Here's a battery. All right. How are we doing, ladies? In Miss Hillard's class, that money could be used to buy extras like the LED lights and batteries her students are using in their Black History Month projects this week. 
They each chose a quote from a famous leader, athlete, or community activist, then carved it into a piece of acrylic and wired the base to light up their learning. Seventh grader Jada Blackman is grateful for the extra resources. I chose never be limited by other people's limited imagination, and it's, the quote was made by Mae Jamerson, one of the first black astronauts. Her classmate, Alana Lada, is thrilled to be in this science class. We've made a bunch of 3D prints from our 3D printers. We've also made a bunch of like custom DIY t-shirts and stuff, and it's pretty cool and robots. Lottery money not only pays for these extras, but also can be applied to pay salaries to retain quality teachers, like a special ed assistant. But it cannot be used for things like new school buildings. The money is distributed to districts based on attendance, supplementing with small amounts of funding that are flexible and valuable, says the Lottery Communications Director. You're supporting public schools no matter whether you win or lose. So every ticket sold, every ticket played, is a win, we like to say, for public education. Sarah Hillard is a devoted educator and a player. I do buy lottery tickets. <laughs> I do buy lottery tickets. I have yet to hit big, but <laughs> here's hoping. <laughs> Play America's favorite jackpot game. And the power of the Powerball keeps rolling on. Remember, there are multiple ways to win. Good luck, everyone. We'll see you back here Wednesday night. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. The Oceanside International Film Festival runs through Saturday at Brooks Theatre. The fest was founded 12 years ago and showcases shorts, documentaries, and feature films from around the globe. Film critic Beth Accomando has this preview. The Oceanside International Film Festival reflects the passions of its executive director, Lou Niles. So every year, you can expect to find films focused on music and surfing. We've got a full night of surf on Friday night that starts at 5 p.m. with one session that's uh, headlined by Sweet Adventure, which is an incredibly innovative surf film. Big Wave Guardians is just amazing epic surf film about the, uh, the people that guard the North Shore and protect people's lives in some of the most dangerous waves of the world. When a surfer is knocked unconscious, you only have about four to six minutes before they run out of oxygen. Lifeguards, it's like a group of warriors. In a moment's notice, they'll put their life on the line to save a perfect stranger. I've had multiple friends smash their head into the reef and, you know, thank God the lifeguards were there. I don't think they would have made it. The festival will also showcase the dark comedy Publisher Parish about a professor trying to secure tenure. You should know, not a big fan of tenure. Once you get tenure, it's nearly impossible to lose your job. Unless you do something really stupid. And then he accidentally kills a student. And the hilarity kind of snowballs and it, and it gets even worse from there. Dark humor also fuels a documentary called Jack Has a Plan about a man with a terminal brain tumor who wants to film his final days. You want the whole thing on tape? Yeah, completely. Why? Wow, that's insane. We all die at some point. It has to deal with knowing it's going to happen and how you live your life, and how you try to accept that death is going to get you. I just got home one day after work, and he was like, I quit my job. And he wants to end his life at a certain point. And so it's, a, it's kind of a fascinating story. It's a, it's a lot more 
uplifting and amazing than you might think that type of uh, storyline exhibits. Um, and we'll have a Q&A after that with some uh, uh, end-of-life discussion uh, as well that'll be pretty fascinating and interesting. The festival also showcases short films from San Diego filmmakers and from around the globe. We like it because there's so much creativity in uh, you know knocking out a great story in a short amount of time. And then we also get to have more films from more places around the world. San Diego just saw the sale of the Ken Cinema, but Oceanside International Film Festival is fortunate to have the single-screen historic Brooks Theater as its venue. The festival runs through Saturday in Oceanside. Beth Agamondo, KPBS News. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening, and have a great Wednesday. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com.